All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 537. Jason Lingren is with me, and Gabrielle Brick joins us for the first time. Uh, we're going to be covering some things that probably everybody should know from a very young age, but in the current world we live in, they don't. One of those things is contraception. As everyone knows, the birth control pill came to be in, I think it was the 60s, as they began to break the family unit and lower the moral reckoning of the Western society, which succeeded, by the way. People have not really put much thought into what women have to go through to uh, use contraception. So I've been wanting to do an episode on that. We're also going to get a little bit into pregnancy, natural pregnancy, the pituitary gland. We'll talk a bit about menopause, and we may finish off with the depopulation agenda, which I mean, it's starting to get kind of obvious out there if people haven't noticed. But with that, welcome, Jason. And a very hot morning. Yes, we have hurricanes coming in and it's been extremely hot. And those things put together is not a good combination. But let's jump in. Welcome, Gabrielle. Hey, guys. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're excited to have you. Uh, This is your first time here. Do you have places or things you want people to be aware of, contact, anything like that you'd like to put on the record before we jump in? Sure. Everyone can find me at uh, my website, which is gabriellebrick.com. And from there, you can email me. And I also, you'll find my my social channels there, which is really just Instagram at this point and uh, a Telegram channel. Might be good to spell your name. Ah, great. Yes. Uh, Gabrielle, G-A-B as in boy, R-I-E-L-L-E, Brick, B as in boy, R-I-C-K. All right. There we have it. So I think we're going to jump in here uh, on the contraception ideas. Uh, When I was young uh, and in the prime of sexual activity, I was a man and I didn't give it a lot of thought. I left it up to the women. And uh, I didn't realize till I got older that it's not all these methods are so good for women. Some of them quite terrible, actually, which is why I've been wanting to cover this. By the way, Neem came on the record. Here's one for you. There's a supposed guru who, in my eyes, a bit more of a media whore. And that opinion solidified uh, because I heard him talk about Neem, which is a basically it's a tree in India, pretty common. And they've been taking Neem for years. And he advised everybody, men and women, go out and take Neem every day. He does it uh, with some tepid water before you eat. And then I became aware that neem is used for contraception and that I have heard, I have not completely looked into this, but someone told me that neem and men, uh, if taken over a long period of time, can make you sterile. So does it sound like maybe that guru, if all those things are correct, and we're going to talk with Gabrielle about it, does it seem like that guru may have a hand in the depopulation agenda? So let's jump in here, Gabrielle. Awesome. Yeah, it's funny, you know, just to even touch on that. There was a study done and after and I was I was laughing because are you ready for the numbers? Yep. I I pulled it up. The infertility effect this was male anti-fertility activity of neem. All right? And uh the infertility effect was seen treated in male rats as there was 66 0.7% reduction in fertility after six weeks, 80% after nine weeks, and 100% after 11 weeks. Do you feel like that was permanent or while the neem was being ingested? No, that was to create permanent infertility. And so that's men. That would be for men. Yeah. That's a hell of a thing for a supposed guru to go out and tout the benefits of neem and not mention that it could make you sterile. Now, is that something that a man would notice if they were taking it? Like, are they going to fire their guns, but it's going to be blanks? Or is it actually going to be something that would feel different on top of that? I don't think it would necessarily feel different, but, you know, I'm not a man. So I don't know. You know, that would really, it's like, you know, a vasectomy, right? It changes the energy. So that is a very different feeling. But to be infertile, I, I'm not sure what that would feel like. If it doesn't change the ejaculation, I don't think 
probably yeah. most most men would would you know how many times have you seen uh, people trying to figure out why they're infertile and they take a sperm sample and they discover that the sperm is deformed or not swimming and the man sleepy, has no yeah, sleepy sperm they call right. it sorry to interrupt you crow no they have no idea you know that's why they're they're seeing a doctor but this brings us around to neem and women yeah what's the story there so women can take neem in a variety of ways. It can be used as a morning after pill. It can be used, they did that with neem oil in particularly, but you would also do it with the herb neem. But if you're wanting to use it for contraception, neem is something that you can take in high doses. What you would do is you would first, um, it's an herb, it has to build up in your body. So you would have to therapeutically dose for, you know, five to seven days. And you would have to, you would want to abstain during those five to seven days. Um, and then after that, you would go to a maintenance dose and we can get into doses later, but that, that, that basically changes for everybody. And then what happens is neem itself stops the implantation is basically what it does. It doesn't affect the hormones. It's an anti-implantation. Well, we should Let's well round here. Let's cover the doses. And are there, you know, we should be able to provide, or if we can't, people are going to need to look up sources or where the studies are to go confirm this. Because if someone's going to use this as contraception, they probably want to get it right. Yes, they do. And so I will tell you what I've used and what I have had success with with the female clients that I work with, it varies because everybody's different. And so I'm a big proponent of bio-individuality and everybody's unique blueprint. So even though there's like a general structure, right, everybody's different. So I took 12 neem capsules per day for seven days, and then I dropped to six as my maintenance dose. So I would do three in the morning and three in the evening. What is the, uh, is it by milligrams? Is each capsule so many hundred milligrams? Do you know? You know, I'd have to look that up. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it would be definitely in the milligrams and it would be very, very high. I think potentially in the hundreds. Off the top of your head, are there sources people could use online to go look up information about Neem? So honestly, I have not found good sources outside of studies they've done with Neem but they're talking about rats and they're talking about animals. They're not talking about what a human can take. So you have direct experience and you've applied this to yourself. If there are women out there, and by the way, there's no, as far as I know, there's no side effects for women to take this. I don't think there is with men. If you dismiss the fact that you could be sterile, that's Correct. One, that's one heck of a side effect. But if women were interested in this, could they contact you to dial it in? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what it did. So neem is amazing because what you're looking at is an herb that's antifungal and antibacterial, right? So it's commonly used in India uh, as they call it a beautifying herb. It's uh, one of the yogic herbs as well. So when you're taking it, you, you also, this is the other piece where I want to talk to people and know where they are because you could go into a little bit of a detox because it's antibacterial and antifungal. So if you've got heavy amounts of candida in your body, right, you might have a detox, right? So that's one of the side effects that you'll see, but that's it, it won't be uh, intense or negative in any way. Uh, but beyond that, then all of a sudden you're going to feel amazing and you'll be able to have fun and not worry. So I tried it for a period of time and I think I had a feeling of well-being. It wasn't that long. It was maybe a couple of weeks and I was not high dosing. But then as I began to look into it, I began to realize, holy smokes, the source of what's making neem popular is a pretty popular man in India. And so if we're correct about the effects on men, uh, the statement that I actually saw in a clip didn't say anything about birth control or anything else. Uh, it was just a directive to take it every day, man or a woman. And to me, that's that seems like intentional birth control mm. uh, without informing people. But as we move on, uh, one of the really popular methods that I was aware of probably in the 80s was IUD. But I was also aware, even at that point, not paying a lot of attention, that people had a lot of trouble with IUDs. 
Yeah. In fact, uh, my mom got pregnant with me with an IUD. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was coming through no matter what. <laughs> I guess there might have been a plan in, in place there. So the IUD failed, just utterly failed? Yeah, totally failed. I've heard about them failing, but I've also heard about them coming out of position. And isn't there some kind of a uh, toxicity that was associated with them? Absolutely. In fact, if you're using copper, which became the new rage is, you know, a lot of women use the plastic ones, which hello, we don't want to be having plastic off gas inside the most soft tissue of our body. That's going to come with its own slew of issues. And then you've got the copper IUD and while copper is amazing, as we all know, as a conductive metal, too much copper is poisonous for our body. And so I've known women firsthand who have had severe copper poisoning from the copper IUD. Um, They had to remove that and completely look at repairing their body and start over on, okay, now how are we actually doing this? So let's talk a minute about birth control itself. I mean, everybody's probably aware of the rhythm method, which is probably the least invasive. You could look up how that's done. It's basically you're just timing things. Uh, Typically, it's the woman who has to do that because she knows uh, what she knows about herself. But still, most people need to be educated. As we have covered in other episodes, there is a two, I don't know what it is, two and a quarter days, two and a half days when the moon enters your sun sign at the moment you were born. This is one of the things that's encoded into scripture that way back in the day, the priests hid there. What it is, is the Christos, which is basically an oil, comes back up through your body. And I'm not going to get into all the encoding, but during that little window, when the moon for two, I think it's maybe almost two and a half days, is in your sun sign, is when the magic can happen and you can up your vibration. This has been hidden from people. And this also, in my mind, is probably one of the reasons why birth control, I mean, how could medical places issue copper to people that's going to poison them? Doesn't that seem like there must be intent there, or at least at the very minimal, just people not caring enough to test a thing? But in general, are birth control methods harmful? I think they are. Yes. Yes. And just to touch on what you were saying, Chloe, I just recently learned um, there's a book called Thinking and Destiny. Have you heard of that? I don't think so. So he goes into what you were just talking about. And it's all about if the man and the woman actually wait for an entire year and allow the 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 Christos oil, if you will, to reach the pineal gland, right? To come up into us with each 13 moon cycles and then create a child. The child supposedly created from that would be one of the most awake, aware, vibrantly alive children ever. So the Christos we're talking about would be the source of what's used to make a new human life, I would point out. But when it reaches back up into Golgotha, which you'll find in scripture, it's the place of the skull in, 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 you know, we're talking about the pituitary gland, the pineal gland here, there's a crucifixion. It's, it's what the crucifixion is encoding or one of the things that it's encoding it's crucified. And in the old translations of that, it would mean something along the lines. And I wish I had this in front of me. I'm, I'm pulling all this from memory. So if I'm a little off, give me a break. Uh, it, 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 it multiplies by a thousand times or something like that. Basically, the understanding that I've had is we're talking about vibration. The vibration gets really, really high, I think is the base, but go ahead. No. Yeah. So, so I'm sorry. What, what did you, what was the initial question? I was I got, just, I, I was, got caught up in all of that. The 13 moons. Yeah. I think we started here by asking is birth control. Like if, if any other method, then basically rhythm where you're just timing, having sex when you're absolutely certain uh, that the female will not become pregnant. It's called the rhythm method. You're just timing it. Right, right. Uh, So what I was asking are all the other synthetic or interventive methods harmful? Is there an idea that that's harmful? I mean, I'm going to make a really blanket statement and say yes. And I'm 
I'm saying yes because I'm a purist at heart and I understand and totally comprehend as a, you know, I'm a, I'm a single mom entrepreneur. I own my own company, right? So I, I understand that there's, we need conveniences. Um, but having said that, no convenience is worth uh, the poison that it usually comes with, uh, usually. And, and I believe birth control to, to, be, to be that. I know that what it does, first of all, there's so many kinds of birth control at this point. You know, you, you can stick a patch on you and never get your period again. And women are excited about this. So you're removing part of the natural cycle, which incidentally, once upon a time, we had a calendar, which made a lot more sense, which was done away with. Jason and I are going to be covering that the separation from timing and calendars, basically you could look at it as God's time. Uh, separate you from nature, thereby separating you from truth, thereby creating a life that has been separated from that. Uh, the point I'm making is once upon a time, there was a calendar where there were 13 months, 28 days a month, and that was the moon mm -hmm. based on the moon. And that relates to the natural cycles that women have. It also relates, believe it or not, to the lifespan of a man and a heck of a lot of other things. But that's what we're talking about. So some of these birth control methods, I noticed in your notes, you're talking about elevated progesterone, mm -hmm. um, the idea that it's fooling the body, mimicking the pregnancy. Exactly. And then there's the idea of hormones that are being depleted or overdosed. Well, and that's, that's exactly what happens. So when you're on birth control, the body is, is basically thinks it's pregnant, right? It thinks it's pregnant but you're not pregnant. And this has to do with the way the hormones are then are structured in your body with, when you're taking the pill. Some women are in crazy high doses because their cycles are so painful, right? But that has to do with, with other health issues um, that I know we're going to talk about later. And so birth control in and of itself, you know, listen, we're here on, on, on your show, so I can say these things. Birth control, I think is is a way to just demonize the blood, the sacred blood of a woman. Yeah, I, I don't have I don't have a problem with that description, actually. And when I was younger, I probably would not have been able to get there. But when you get older and you break things down to the simplest, what are we talking about here? Sex is basically, if you look at how nature applies sex almost all the way around, not totally, that's to make new life. And so then if you want to be a purist as you're coming from that angle, what does that tell us about sex when it's just used for fun? Exactly. And I think everyone's going to make up their own mind on that as it should be. You have free will. But if you want to logically work out what we're talking about here, that's basically it. You're trying to figure out a way to get around what nature has provided so that you can have a good time, basically. Well, that's exactly it. And I think back to when I was growing up and, you know, I didn't. No, my, my mother, whom I love so much, but she didn't prepare me to get my cycle, you know, and when I got it, it was a terrifying event instead of a sacred event. Right. And, and our society promotes plugging up the blood, right. Get rid of it, hide it, throw it away versus capturing it, giving it back to the earth, blessing it. I know I'm touching on some kind of far out ideals, but we want to bring women back to their body, right? It is the most sacred part of us, our womb. It is the creation of life, right? We should have a really in-depth, special relationship with that. And because each woman is different, our ability to know our body and what it needs is going to vary. And so back to the birth control piece, this is a way to just shut a woman off completely from her body. Right. When you are taking birth control that is filled with chemicals and synthetic hormones, the synthetic hormones are going to create a slew of issues. Everything from infertility to horrible weight gain to manic episodes to liver toxicity. Um, I mean, you name it. Right. And when you have to, I, I have helped women get off of birth control and the amount of detox that a woman has to go through, the ups and downs, the insane emotional roller coaster. Is, is this, are you referring to just someone who's taken the standard, what we call Correct. the pill? The pill. Correct. 
So this is the result of the pill that you're dealing with. Correct. So not having ever taken it because I'm a man, uh, Mm -hmm. is it typically that when women become of age and they get on the pill, is that just, they're going to do that forever? Is that the idea? Correct. Yeah. Let's just, our daughters are coming into, you know, the of age and let's just put them on the pill because now they're going to, they're going to start having sex. And I, I think it's time that we change that narrative. Is there an average percentage of females who take it and have a reaction in a negative manner? You know, I don't know what that number is. We could look it up. Um, But I know that I personally could only take a small amount. The large amounts made me a psycho. And then I've worked with women who, you know, have been on everything from the tiniest dose to the heaviest dose and everything in between. But they go on the pill for a variety of reasons. Right. This is the other issue. Hello, pharma, you know, pharmacology. Oh, this is going on. Let's give you this. Right. Like my my cycles are really painful and heavy and irregular. Oh, we got to put you on the pill. No, that's not going to help you. It looks like I'm using air quotes. You can't see me. It looks like it's helping you because now all of a sudden your cycle, which, you know, in a in a healthy woman would range anywhere from three to five days. Uh, with like a teaspoon level of blood, right? That would be considered in general, a healthy cycle, you know, bright red. And then what you're doing is you're, if your cycle is, you know, a lot of women, because their bodies are overloaded with toxic chemicals, heavy metals from, you know, all of the, the food contaminants, the, the water contaminants, And not to mention if they're not eating organic foods, right? Like the chickens and milks and the beefs, guess what else they're eating? They're eating synthetic hormones. All of those animals are pumped full of synthetic hormones, not to mention antibiotics and whatever shots they need, right? And then this is why we have a crisis of young girls and boys, right? But girls growing breasts and and having their cycle at at, you know, seven and eight when, when it was, you know, when I was growing up, it was much later. A lot of people have made one of the main attributions to milk. Yeah. I remember first that they were pointing out, I think it was a girl of nine was having trouble in school because she was already quite top heavy when most women probably what, 13, 14, something like that. Exactly. And they began to attribute it to the milk drinking. Yeah. It's scary when you think about what they've done to our food and that young girls and men, right? And I'll just focus on women for the sake of this conversation and, and, and the work that I do. But you, you, you think about the programming and just immediately out of the gate, they're pumped full of synthetic hormones. They're pumped full of uh, toxins and heavy metals. And then they're psychologically taught that their cycle is dirty and bad and to hide it. And then when you finally come of age where you should be celebrating the most sacred part of you, you are then taught to shut it off. So exactly what we're talking about is another effect of the things that Jason and I have covered and that we're about to get into partially with the movie frequency that we're going to break down. But this pulls into the calendar idea and I'll show you why. First of all, our guest mentioned that she had her period completely unprepared. There's the broken culture. And with the broken culture came the breaking of morals, which magically the birth control came right when they wanted to do it. And then the music started coming out with things like, if you can't be with the one you love, just love the one you're with. The breaking of the morals came with it. But here's my point. If you go back to a time that seems completely independent of what we're doing now, they broke the calendars. If you go back to the calendar that I just mentioned, which makes a hell of a lot more sense, we just can't consider that you would need more than one calendar. You need more than two calendars. Uh, A sophisticated society would have a number of calendars and all the societal or civil ones would be completely independent of the natural ones. So basically the sun would likely have to do with a year, but the divisions of a year would fall to the moon. As I mentioned, typically what you hear is 13 months, 28 days apiece, you end up with an extra day. There are other versions that you can look up, but here's the thing. This used to be known. Back in the day when culture was culture, 
the women prepared their daughters for what was coming. Not only that, if the mother had a peculiar thing about her, she knew she passed that on to her daughter, which may be independent of all the other women around the mother knew because she experienced it. This is what was broken. And I can kind of prove that in a way. Think of the culture that we have in America. I always make the joke. We don't have culture. What we have is movies and some TV shows we like, and I'm making a joke, but it's not a joke. That is what's basically driving the majority of what we call culture, which is actually not culture anymore. Consider when we had Munya on, who was from the Aboriginal community of Australia. She talked about a thing called woman's business and man's business. There's your culture. There's a society that are still preparing the next generation. But to get back to the calendar, which was done away with, at what age is a bar mitzvah done? At age 13. Why? Well, because of the calendar. The old Christian mystics would say that a young life has to experience each sun sign of the zodiacal layout, which is currently 12, before they've ingested enough to start to become an adult. In other words, they have to experience one round on the Zodiac. So that's 12 years the way we do it. But isn't it interesting that the bar mitzvah and the bat mitzvah were set in stone at at age 13? Put away your childish toys. You're not a kid anymore. You do adult things now. The preparation of the culture for the young people to make the transition. But what's more is those young lives know this is coming. Oh, I've only got another year. I know I'm 12. This is all about to end. I'm not going to be a kid anymore here pretty quick. What's left of that can basically, as far as I know, for the most part, be found in Jewish traditions, the bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah, and maybe the quinceanera, the Mexican tradition of the quinceanera. I don't know that much about it, but this is what we're talking about. The breaking of these foundational things in the calendar, as we're calling it here, as we're pointing out here, look at the result of the reason for even having an episode is it's bad enough that you don't know your IUD is poisoning you, but no one ever prepped you up. No one ever informed you at the young age what you needed to know. And that's really the story of our era, isn't it? It is. It is. And, you know, I'm raising boys and they're 12 and they're going to be 13. And I wanted to make sure that they were not afraid of a woman's cycle, that they understood when a woman is on her cycle, she is tired she's emotional. It's actually time to go in. If we were living back in tribal days, a woman on her cycle would be fully supported with other women in her cycle. And the grandparents and the women, the younger women, you know, who didn't, who weren't, or the other women who weren't on their cycle would be taking care of the chores, right? It would, it was a time of reverence and rest and to go in. Right. And so with my children, I've, I've really done my best in, in this modern world to bring that awareness to them. And what I'm doing for them, um, you know, I was raised a Catholic, but I'm not a practicing Catholic. I consider myself, I don't even know how to title myself in this world anymore. I just, I know that as you put it, Crow, thank you for the words to give what I felt. There is no lie in nature. And I was always, Nature was my church is what I said for years because I came out of 13 years of private Catholic schooling. And let me tell you, <laughs> I had to find my way back to God and I did it in nature and I did it through food and I did it by reconnecting to my body as a woman and really becoming acutely aware of who I was, who am I, right? And why am I here and what the hell is going on in this world? Um, and so with my sons, when they turn 13, I'm actually gathering men. And the mamas will come and I will host the mamas and the men will take my sons and they will go out with their sons and and men and they will go into the woods and have a fire and do man things and talk about what it means to be a man. And I think that that is such a more uh, freeing, insightful way to go about being 13, since I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to any particular religion. This is how I'm going about it as a way to say, okay, you're entering manhood. It's time now. 
Isn't it interesting that the kind of gender agenda and the depopulation agenda, which is hand in hand with the gender agenda, trying to force people to forget that nature proves the truth about what male and female are, is that you are going back to things like the Aboriginal tribes, men's business and women's business is an important cultural step. So it is my opinion that it is likely we'll see a lot more people taking this step. But Rose just pinged me, uh, our episode with Munya from the Aboriginal culture of Australia was 193, but we did in episode 385, I wanted to cover the Bushmen of the Kalahari because I know they're on full frontal attack. And if they survive what's happening, with their culture in place, it will be amazing. But in the Bushman ritual, when the woman starts the cycle, she's in charge of the feast for the whole tribe. And there are other things. And these are cultural things that we have. I mean, even as I'm saying it, how many people are even going to consider there's any value there? But there is. And the reason is because what it means to be in the culture I grew up in is to be separated from truth. And the way it was done, one of the basic ways, started with the calendar. And don't get me going. We're going to do episodes on it. But, you know, everybody knows Julius Caesar. I'll, I'll just do a quick illustration of how far back this effort to undermine humanity has been going on. Julius Caesar supposedly changed the calendar, right? Because magically, one day he woke up and his summer holiday was in winter. Well, hell's bells and little shells. First of all, I'm not buying you guys are growing things back in the Roman era. So don't try to fool me into thinking that your farmers weren't aware of what season it was. But whatever you want to say, Julius supposedly changed the calendars. One problem. Old Julius was a little bit off. Wait for it. How much off was Julius? 11 minutes. <laughs> so then later, Pope Gregory, I believe the 13, he has to come in and do what he does. But anyone can look at the calendar that we have and the insidious nature of what's been done is detectable for the mind who is open and the person who will consider. Consider November. What month is November for us? It's the 11th month, right? Well, it's actually not. It was originally the ninth month. There's your 9-11 idea wrapped into the calendar all the way forward. November or Novum is nine in the same way Sept should be seven for September, or oct should be eight for October. This is a throwover from before the calendar was changed. So basically, they took the ninth month and made it the 11th month. Your 9-11 idea wrapped into the calendar nonsense that goes on. So this effort of what we see has been going on for a long time. Who, who knows how far? As a matter of fact, for anyone listening, if you're a person who gets involved, I am reasonably convinced that the low point of the sun is not December 21st. And I've stumbled on this prepping up for an episode Jason and I are going to do, because what should happen is as we pass the fall equinox very rapidly, the days should shorten, 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 shorten all the way down to the low point of the sun, which is in and around Christmas, supposedly, which I'm saying it's not. I think it's not. And at that day, the sun will hold still for three days. Ever heard that tale before? And then it will begin to rise. And at that moment, the days will lengthen and the nights will begin to shorten. But what I noticed was, and I've only done a cursory lookup because I'm still trying to find a reliable sunset and rise data because I keep getting booted off the place in Washington that keeps the world time. If I change the page. I keep getting booted. This happened to us before, but I noticed at the 16th of December, preceding that is a long line of days where the time of sunrise doesn't change for like five, six, seven days. And then all of a sudden on the 16th, it does. Well, that should happen <laughs> at the low point of the sun. Anyhow, if people are interested, start trying to determine when the actual low point of the sun is. Another way to say that is when the days stop shortening and the lights length, nights lengthening and the sun holds still for three days and then the days begin growing and the nights shrinking. I think we can show that the calendar is purposely slipped, which so many people have been saying. Anyhow, I'm kind of pulling us off where we're going here. Gabrielle, what would you like to do to get back on track here? I, I love your tangents, though. It's, I think it's perfectly on point. And um, 
I think, you know, bringing it back around to becoming aware of our body, right? And this is the first place I discovered where I woke up to the lie, really, was oh, in... I, yeah. I'm sorry, there was one other point, and maybe you guys remember this as I do. I'm not Catholic. I was raised Lutheran. But I remember that when the birth control pill came out, or sometime shortly after that, that the Vatican was not down with it. Publicly, they had to say, we do not support birth control because the reason for that is because the moral values of those who counted themselves Catholic would not accept it. It was later and to much fanfare and pissing off a lot of people that the Vatican decided that you could use birth control. But my point is, is doesn't that tell you where the moral mindset was when the pill first came out? Anyhow, that's my last tangent. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, people, girls are on birth control because of acne, right? Acne can be taken care of naturally by understanding how to care for your gut and by knowing the foods that you put into your mouth and what they do inside of your body. So I think to bring it back around, what we were saying about birth control is this is, this is the big issue is that it's, it's once again, right. In pharmacology, right. It's everything is being prescribed you know, for a variety of reasons. Um, and there are massive side effects. Um, and I, I believe that one of the, the pieces of birth control, uh, the whole point of it was to create infertility personally. But with that, and just, just stay on track with the whole body conversation, it's so important that we know our body, right? It's so important for a woman to understand her cycle, know her body, but understand her health. And if you're dealing with weight gain around your cycle, like when you're coming into age or you're becoming pregnant or you're going through the change or you've been through the change and there's these slew of these hormonal pieces that are happening to you because you took birth control or if you want to start birth control because you're having these symptoms, they are symptoms of a, of, of a body that is showing signs of toxicity in other areas. And, and I think that's the point I really want to make is you don't need birth control to take control of when you want to have a child. You don't need birth control for acne. You don't need birth control to manage your emotions. You don't need birth control to make your cycle healthy. Um, you don't need birth control for any of these things. And when you decide to take birth control, and I'm speaking as a woman and I'm speaking passionately because I am so tired of seeing women in pain and suffer. And I'm it, it just breaks my heart and I'm on a mission. I don't want to see suffering. It's it's our birthright to be vibrant and alive, right? That's our riches, right? Is being vibrant and alive in our body. And why would we poison it? Because we've been taught to poison it. And I'm here to tell you that you do not have to poison your body. In fact, the way to find hormone balance and homeostasis within is to actually detoxify the body, right? To stop taking birth control and to learn when is your cycle actually coming? When are you ovulating? Most women don't even know when they're ovulating and what that looks like, right? So understand, starting to understand what that looks like. How do you feel? What foods do you crave? Separation from nature, right? I mean, exactly. That's, that's pretty basic what you're talking about. If you had daughters, would there ever be any reason that you would be okay with them using the so-called pill? No, no. I would never put my daughters on birth control. I'm not a, a mom of daughters. I'm a mom of sons, but I know what I went through in my own health and how hard I've had to work to reclaim my body and my vitality because of a culture, you know, my, my mother, I was born in the seventies and the doctor said, don't breastfeed. So she listened and I had a slew of issues. And then when it was time to have my cycle, there was no conversation. And then it was on the pill and, you know, put a tampon in, you know, and the tampons are full of chemicals. Think about how sprayed cotton is. Think about how sprayed cotton is. And then women are taking that and inserting it in the most sensitive, supple tissues of their body. And now that's being absorbed. All of those toxins are being absorbed. So there's so much going on around a woman's cycle. And 
contraception. And I mean, it's just such a huge conversation to unpack. I don't want to go too far off track. So I'm kind of reeling myself in. You got to imagine there's studies out there that never see the light of day, the difference between a young life that's been breastfed and a young life that's been given weight for it. What do they call it? Formula? I think they (laughs) typically call it. As a matter of fact, how did they insert that culturally? How did they convince the, you know, World War, probably what, two generation that you didn't need to breastfeed anymore because there's this magical thing called formula? And if you go back, it's interesting to see if you go back to early TV, black and white TV, how they're constantly pushing the magic abilities of science. There's nothing that can't be done with science. And I think partially that's how they did it. But I would imagine people would have had to have done studies on this. And yet, I don't feel like that's very public information. It's not. And it's gotten better. The name of the site is escaping me now, but they're Western Western Price. You can find studies about breastfeeding and, uh, but milk for kids. And and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I had my children late at, at 37. I fell into the whole trap of being, you know, in hustle culture and being an independent woman and all of that stuff. And, um, but I knew that if I ever had kids, I was going to homeschool. And, um, and I was looking into like, what is birth? Like I did, was totally uneducated, right? Like when I was in school, the movie I got was terrifying because it was like a massive, it looked like a murder scene coming from the woman's vagine on a, on a, you know, a, a video screen in, in school. That was our education, right. Versus like this sacred conversation of what birth is. Um, anyway, so I started investigating how I wanted to do this, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because I, so I went into a birthing center and while my pregnancy was amazing, um, I had took twins, um, to full term. My water broke naturally. They were seven and a half pounds each. And it was actually the labor piece that became an issue, um, because they wanted immediately to give me a C-section and I didn't want it. I wanted to just, let's just see if they can come out of my vagina. You know, let's just see if they'll come out of the birth canal naturally. And because I asked for that, I had to sign off basically that it was okay if we all died. And anyway, long story, I'll save you, but I, my body ended up going through so much. It ended up being very traumatic that the doctor said to me, you'll never be able to breastfeed. And I was like, you don't say that to me. I'm like, I'm like, oh, yes, I can. I'll find a way. (laughs) And thank God I had the women in my lives that I did who sent me books upon books of these incredible stories of women who were no longer breastfeeding, but would start to get milk for moms. And I had a a dear friend who had a, a baby. And so she came in and gave milk and found out they have breast milk banks and all of this stuff, which is a little interesting and probably a whole other show in and of itself. I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't know that was a thing. Wow. Yep. And so I was very grateful at the time that they had that, but what, why I'm telling you this is because they wanted me to feed my kids formula and I actually had to lie, right? I had to lie. And what I did was I pumped my boobs until they were raw and I got Uh, I I was able to breastfeed where they told me I would never be able to breastfeed. I was determined and believed in my body um, because the other piece, they, they want to tell you that your body is broken and doesn't work properly. Um, And so I was able to breastfeed my sons 50% and the other 50%, I fed my children raw, organic, grass fed, grass finished cow milk, because that was the only way they were going to gain weight. And I had to lie about it. Otherwise they would have taken my kids. Well, it's unreal where we're at right now and the system that has been fostered that allows that possibility to even exist. But Jason, I know we're coming around the corner here. Is there anything you want to get in? The milk thing is interesting. Is that a technique that's not generally discussed? Obviously, they're going to push the formula thing, but the grass fed and all that, that is the next best option because I'd not heard that before. Correct. That is the next best option. It's it's you know, I personally think that, you know, cow milk is for cows and goat milk is for goats and human milk is for humans. Having said that, when my child can't get milk, what's the next best thing? Milk from a mother. And so cow and goat are the most natural or the next step in natural uh, ways to make sure a child um, can gain weight and thrive. It's going to have all the the sugars and the proteins and the fats that are needed, the colostrum bits that the child needs in order to have a robust 
starting point. So their, their, I don't want to say immune system, but that their body can, you know, be intact in the best way and have everything it needs. Rose is pointing out uh, if the milk banks pasteurize the milk. Well, you know, I wondered that myself and, and where are they getting this milk? Because there's no, there's nowhere that you can say, let me pump and get paid and give you my milk. That's a good question. Right. So where is it coming from? I mean, the more we talk about this, are we sure it's even milk from a human being? <laughs> right. You know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, nothing's what it seems. I saw some person do the math on beef and they determined using math that there's not enough beef in the world to even supply McDonald's, let alone everyone else. <laughs> so I just don't. Yikes. Um, yeah. So what is it that we're eating? I, I, the milk bank. Wow. Anyhow, we're, we're getting close to it here. Uh, we're going to wrap up our one and we're going to come back. But, you know, I, I wonder if I was to ask all of the women listening, did your mother give you the talk? Did she prepare you for your period? Was how pregnancy works ever explained to you? As a matter of fact, all the adult women listening, do you know or do you know how to figure out when you're ovulating? And the reason I'm asking this is because these seem like things that should be absolutely culturally handled and that every young life, when the time is appropriate for that culture, this should be handed to those young lives. And the importance is not just having a good idea about what's real, but it ties you to reality. And that is nature. And that is truth. And even just the calendar thing that I'm always kicking every chance I get, it separated us from truth and we're still separated from truth. And this basic manipulation has allowed success at levels that are hard to imagine. And we're not done. There are people out there saying that the coming November is going to be a hell of a thing. There's a whole big thing on, uh, on YouTube and other places I'm told about all these movies pre-echoing, what is it? September 23, I think. But all this manipulation uh, and the result of it, it's only possible because we don't have a solid center of truth because we've been separated from nature. Anyhow, Gabrielle, go ahead and tell folks one more time where they can get a hold of you to ask questions or find your work. Uh, sure. So it's gabriellebrick.com is my website. That's G-A-B as in boy, R-I-E-L-L-E. Brick, B as in boy, R-I-C-K.com, gabriellebrick.com. And I have an Instagram, uh, which is my name, as well as a Telegram. And uh, you can email me from there. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions. All right. We tend to get that information into the top comment under the member episode. I'm pretty sure Rose is probably making a note of it now. With that, Jason, anything you want to add? What are we going to get in in hour two? Well, if I'm drawn from the notes, some pretty important topics, how to prepare for a pregnancy, the idea of detoxing, how to rebuild from a detox, gut health, which we've covered before. Uh, we're going to get into the pituitary gland, go on. And actually the last major section in the notes that I have has to do with the depopulation agenda. And I think it's already like more severe than people realize. And inside me somewhere, I'm kind of worried that there's going to be an event that just makes it completely obvious. And I don't know what that is, um, but I'm really worried about frequencies as well, because we're basically walking antennas from all the uh, metals and particulates that we've been exposed to. Anyhow, I'm going to wrap up hour one of episode 537 with Jason Lindgren and Gabrielle Brick. Uh, the first hour is free to everybody at pro777radio.com. That is C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. Members know to log in for the full two-hour episode. They get access to all the forums, to comments under each episode, and they get free access to the film called Shoot the Moon. Among the things that are interesting, there's so many interesting things in that film, is the first filming that I'm aware of through a hydrogen alpha telescope of the sun we do not see. If I had to guess, I think it's possible that we may be coming into an age where there's two suns in the sky. That's a hell of a thing to say. And the only way for it to mean anything is for time to go on and show that there is a there there. With that, we're going to prep up for hour two. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
the enemy of knowing.